We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by M-Prize Bank, your partner in Possible. Who you do business with is more important than where they're located. Bank from the comfort of your own home with M-Prize Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of the KC Laboratory Podcast with Ken Swanson, Craig Stout, and Matt Lane. Coming to you on the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City. You can find all of our channels covering all the local teams wherever you listen to podcasts or on YouTube. Just search KCSN. And now, the latest episode of the KC Laboratory. It's a live edition of the KC Laboratory presented by Emprise Bank, member FDIC. Thank you all so much for joining us. I'm Ken Swanson. I'm new to this show. Uh, if you've been watching on Thursdays only lately, <laughs> you haven't seen me. I apologize for that. I'm going to be gone this Thursday as well. Uh, here on Thursdays, Maddie Lane, though. Hi, Matthew. Welcome, welcome back, Kent. Um, it's it's nice to see you here. It's nice to see your face. Um, I I'm glad you were here. Craig is great, and I am glad that you are here, Kent, to talk about Chiefs training camp with us. Seeming you did miss the last time that we talked about training camp because you weren't here on the past few eight Thursdays. <laughs> my my favorite part about this podcast, by the way, I'm Craig Stout. My favorite part about this podcast is uh, the the part where Kent's going to bring up points that Maddie and I brought up last <laughs> Thursday and the Thursday before, and talk about it, being like, "Man, I can't like weird." You know, nobody's really talking about this. And literally, he's sitting with nice. two people that are talking about My it. My favorite is it's going to come at the end of like a 98-second just like speech. And then he's going to ask us our thoughts. And it's going to be something that we spent 10 minutes on last week. Yep. Uh, guys, we I miss think, you and love you, Kent. I miss you too. And also, I, I think Daenerys Prince might make this team. I don't know what you guys feel about that. But... Uh... <laughs> Thank you, everyone that is hanging out with us today. It is exciting. It's always fun to be talking about real football things uh, or the closest we can get to real football things this time of year. We are back into the swing of things. Camp is in full swing. We're going to be getting, uh, you know, games sooner rather than later. Some storylines have come out. You got Albert Breer uh, coming into to Chiefs training camp and, and kind of getting, you know, his eyes on this team and, and getting to talk to the people uh, and some of the boots on the ground there, uh, getting to kind of hear from different people within the building and 
you know, there's some interesting nuggets that came out. You saw his his article about Mahomes, and there's some stuff we might we might get to that too. But mm-hmm. one of the things he's kind of talking about earlier in the week as he's kind of doing his team by team camp preview, he's talking about the Chiefs' offensive line and how it might be the best that they've had in Andy Reid's tenure here. I know, you know, the the interior offensive line is unbelievable. It's exceptional. I think when we're having the conversation though about whether or not this is the best offensive line, it kind of surround it, it. It has it's the tackles, like it's really the tackles is I think where we're where the where the conversation really lies. But I want to just ask you, Maddie Lane, off the top, is this the best offensive line that the Kansas City Chiefs have had in Andy Reid's tenure and Patrick Mahomes' tenure? No. Because Mitchell Schwartz and Eric Fisher once played offensive tackle on the same offensive line. And while the interior of that offensive line wasn't as good as the interior of this offensive line, tackles are more important. And they still had an LDT playing around in there who was a good, very good player at the time. Like it's that offensive line is still better. I guess the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl winning offensive line of 2019 is probably, you know, that's the best offensive line they had because they were better at the more important position and they were more proven at the more important position. We knew what Mitchell Schwartz and what a healthy Eric Fisher, I know he was hurt that year and played back to the playoff run, but we know what those guys were able to do when they were healthy in this system. It wasn't a question. It wasn't up in the air. It wasn't a you know rising Jawan Taylor. It wasn't a Donovan Smith coming off of his worst season in the NFL trying to rebound on a new team. They were known commodities at the two positions that matter a little bit more. You did have some competent play across the interior offensive line as well. So like, no, I don't quite see the ceiling for this unit this year being better than that team, but can it be better than any other version of this off the offensive line? Yeah, probably. I mean, and I can even go back to like 2016's offensive line that was eric fisher zach fulton mitch morse ldt and mitchell schwartz that is a really good set of players now that being said i can see this offensive line contending with that because you've got a first team all pro you know your offense your center and creed humphrey you've got an all pro in joe tooney And you've got a guy that I'd probably lump in in the top five right tackles in the game right now in Jawan Taylor. And, oh, yeah, the other position, the right guard position, is really good in Trey Smith. The question mark is just with Donovan Smith there. So that's why when Breer releases this article, and this is his quote right here, he says, of course the pads aren't on yet and things can change, but the Chiefs actually feel this might be the best set of bookends They've had at the position since Patrick Mahomes became the starter in 2018. In 2018, Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz were still on this team and arguably playing at the top of their game at that point. I think everybody remembers them getting hurt and the way that their careers kind of petered out for both of those guys. It, I don't mean to take anything away from them. Injuries suck. But those guys in 2018 were amazing. Mitchell Schwartz was an all-pro right tackle, and Eric Fisher was a top 10 left tackle in the league. That is hard to come by. And so the the bar is very high. So for that to be the comment that comes out, and again, it's a might, it's without pads, it's all these caveats on here for the Chiefs here, but for them, somebody in that building to even be considering that these guys might be on the level of those guys, that is ridiculously high praise for this offensive line. 
I think the Chiefs have the best interior line in all of football. I think they have an elite group along that interior. It's going to be really hard for you to talk me out of that three. Uh, it's just an exceptional group. Jawan Taylor, by all indications, been very good to this point. And what little I've been able to see looks looks great. And again, it is still early. Pads haven't been on very long at this point now. That You've got four pretty lock-solid players right there. And then there's just one pivot point that I kind of helps, I think, determines the ceiling, if you will, of this tackle position. It's Donovan Smith. And, you know, how how far and how high of a level he's able to play this year coming back from an injury, you know, had played solid in, in prior years, had had better seasons in prior years than last year. His ceiling almost determines what kind of statements and grand statements you're able to make about the totality of this offensive line. I think you still have a chance to be able to make some of those statements regardless because the Chiefs have been able to get by with, you know, maybe a sub, you know, subprime tackle in the past. Um, but I, it's kind of interesting to me. And like, we've talked a little bit about this and like, this is kind of last year with the tackles, even though the tackles may not be better when it's all said and done than last than this year's group. And, you know, they, I, they might, you know, they, they, this year's group might be better. Last year's tackle group felt very set it and forget it for me. When we've talked about the off season for this team and the on, on the offensive line, you know, that's one of the other storylines with receiver, you know, with, you know, we, we, we have all these conversations all summer about receiver and Hey, what's the tackle situation going to look like? How do we feel about, you know, protecting Mahomes blindside with a bounce back Donovan Smith? Like those are two of the big storylines. And last year it was just kind of like set it and forget it with the offensive line. We weren't talking about it. We knew what the chiefs were, you know, Andrew Wiley was playing at a high level Orlando Brown, was what he was, you know, you knew what you were getting with Orlando Brown. I this year it just, you know, it, it does feel like they'll be able to clear that group with with a decent performance from Jonathan or from uh Donovan Smith. Maddie, how good does Donovan Smith have to play for this to be the best offensive line in Patrick Mahomes' tenure? I mean, in in his tenure, uh in Patrick Mahomes' back- tenure, yeah. Yeah, 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 you're still going back to getting the two offensive tackles of Mitchell Schwartz and Eric Fisher. So, like, Donovan but, Smith would have to have essentially his best. I think Donovan Smith would have to have his best career year. Okay. His career. okay I'm I think saying offsetting, much, you've got the interior line that can offset that a little I, bit. Yeah, that and, is no, incredible interior group. offensive line is not an offensive tackle, though, to me. Uh, I think I watched the Chiefs' offensive line last year. They had to spend a lot of time sending help and delaying guys going out into pass protection and keeping running backs in to help the tackles who ultimately didn't play bad. Like Andrew Wiley and Orlando Brown Jr. were far from bad last year. It's just the Chiefs had to do a lot schematically and how they lined up and how they ran plays to help them. So if they're having to do that again, regardless of if Jawan Taylor's a little bit better than what Orlando Brown Jr. you know gave them last year or not, it just it, it doesn't matter. There's no chance if they're having to help either one of the offensive tackles the way they had to help Wiley and again some matchups Orlando Brown Jr. that this offensive line will touch the complete Mitchell Schwartz and Eric Fisher entirely on islands. We can get to five out anytime we want to. And oh, by the way, Schwartz and Fisher are so good they're shutting down the B gap before they're blocking their defensive end on an island. So having that interior offensive line that wasn't as good as this year's didn't matter because they were essentially blocking A and a half to A and a half because they were getting so much help on the B gap. So I just, 
I think it's hard to compete when you have two offensive tackles that can play that way. I don't think the Chiefs are going to have two offensive tackles that can play that way this year. You're hoping, as a Chiefs fan, that you get one. You're hoping Jawan Taylor can do that on just his side alone, and then that way you only have to help on one side, and that does open up at least more flexibility. But I, to your initial point, like, yeah, I, Donovan Smith would have to have the best year of his career, I think, to compete with those lines. And that's just because I value the offensive tackle position and what it allows the Chiefs' offense to do just that much higher than the interior offensive line. Now, I can make the case that these offensive linemen, these offensive tackles specifically, are maybe a little better fit for what Andy Reid and Andy Heck want to do, definitely. I, I mean, yes. I have throughout the offseason here, like – having somebody that can do the sorts of things and move the way that, you know, Jawan Taylor with the kind of length that he's got, it like checks almost all the boxes for Andy Reid, Andy Heck. So he's like an ideal fit there. And then Orlando Brown Jr. checked the length box, but the movement skills, the techniques and everything like that, that those guys wanted him to play with, he didn't do particularly well. So they just kind of rolled with, hey, this is what you do well. You allow a guy to get into your chest and you just kind of lock him up and go through all of that. And it worked. He got by with it. But that's certainly not the way that the offensive line, Andy Heck specifically, wants his guys to play. Donovan Smith, definitely going to play more like Andy Heck wants him to play. So I can see an avenue towards the Chiefs looking at the techniques that these guys play with, looking at the ways that they carry themselves, the way that they can move and saying, hey, we really feel good about this offensive tackle group, especially considering these are the best guards that we've had inside elite tackles with Patrick Mahomes here. Mm -hmm. So we're going to feel comfortable with Donovan Smith not having to check back inside with Joe Tooney very often and just being able to get up the arc, being able to work up there because Joe Tooney's got it handled. You can even make the argument that Donovan Smith's best, best year was Ali Marpet's best year at left guard beside him. Because Ali Marpet was playing so well, it allowed Donovan Smith to be a little bit more on an island, not have to worry about his inside shoulder as much. Now you cut to last year with Donovan Smith, Ali Marpet's not there anymore. They don't have a guy at left guard that they were really confident in. Now you're putting him next to another all-pro player and Joe Tooney again. So I can see the avenues towards them making this very grandiose statement here. I can even see an avenue with, with Donovan Smith where you're looking at it and you're going, we're comfortable lining up a tight end off of him. Gronk was there when he was really good. And Gronk is a guy that's going to draw a lot of attention, can run block, can pass block, can chip, can offer all that. Oh yeah, and the defensive end is going to chip him as well. So it's going to slow him down. We're going to be able to offer a lot of help to Donovan Smith. And our running backs are pretty good in pass pro. So we can we can protect against anything and everything that's coming off the left side of the line there because we know the other four positions are just really going to be able to lock things down and hold it down. I have one more offensive tackle question to ask you, but I'm going to ask you right after this. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Hey, I do want to make sure to shout everybody that uh, that did participate in the KCSN Foundation Golf Tournament this weekend. Anybody that donated at the KCSN Golf Tournament this weekend. It was an unbelievable success. I don't know if the numbers have been released yet, but wow. Thank you all for helping continue to fund all the initiatives that we have here at KC Sports Network through the KCSN Foundation. Had a lot of fun. It was great meeting a lot of you. It was fun to not have COVID this time. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That was kind of cool. I can guarantee you both. uh, No one had more fun at the KCSN golf tournament than Tucker D. Franklin. That man was on one uh, on Saturday. Anyways, I I mentioned I had a question. And, you know, you you get stuff from from an Albert Breer. And they're making statements like, this might be the best tackle group. You know, this... Sometimes you wonder maybe who he heard it from. And I'm I'm not going to ask you who who you think he heard it from cuz I don't know. I have zero clue. But and I this is going to be a pure speculation question when I ask this, but do you think Andy Heck I'm going to ask I'm going to start with you Craig because you spent a bunch of time writing articles. Do you think Andy Heck likes this year's tackle group more than last year's tackle group? Oh, more than last year's? Yeah, just um, last year's. Yeah, yeah, I do. And it's entirely got to do with Orlando Brown Jr. Again, they tried with Orlando Brown Jr. They tried to do some of the things that Andy that are Andy Heck hallmarks from a technique standpoint. And they just at a certain point said, hey, listen, man, we're messing with your game too much. Like, we're just going to let you be you. So, you know, it, which is great. Andy Heck can adapt to all those things. But yes, certainly. Now, I think he loved Andrew Wiley. Like, I really think he loved Andrew Wiley because Andrew Wiley was – very moldable, did everything that he wanted him to do and everything like that. But I do think Orlando Brown Jr. tried to do some of those things. It was messing with his game too much. So they just said, no, let's not do it anymore. So yes, absolutely. I think he does. Maddie, you had one more thing on the tackles. Is that right? Well, not even tackles, just the offensive line. Cause we were talking a lot about this offensive line being the best that she's ever had. And I, I did want to like add a little caveat here. If I think if you move this offensive line to various teams around the NFL, there are plenty of teams where this year's offensive line does have the potential to be better than any of the other ones in the Chiefs history because of how dominant that interior can be in the run game. And then even Donovan Smith is a very good run blocker. So 
if the Chiefs are a team that like to run the ball more, pound the rock, you know, get a little bit more varied and lean on their run game, I would definitely buy into the ceiling of this offensive line unit being higher than some of those Fisher-Schwartz combo ones that the Chiefs had in the past, right? Like, I would feel a little bit better about it in that regard, or like going along with that potential in that regard. But for the current iteration of the Chiefs offense, it's all about pass protection. It's pass protection 100%. That's what matters. That's all that matters. And it's just... It, it's going to be really hard to ever compete with that those two offensive tackles playing at the level they were while they were. Um, so I, I just want to get that out there is I don't want to completely say, oh, the interior offensive line doesn't matter or anything like that. I just do think it's stylistic. So the this mm-hmm. offensive line would be a lot better for a team that wanted to lean on the run game a little bit more. It's going to rewind 12 minutes ago and you're like, yeah. <laughs> I do, I do kind of want to point out here, we're comparing it a lot to the 2022 offensive line. Going into the season, there were multiple different media publications that said the Chiefs had the best offensive line in football, including ESPN, going into last season. And that was with Orlando Brown Jr. and Andrew Wiley out there. So, I mean, like, if we're comparing it to this one that was just kind of regarded very well now we all know that it didn't turn out to be the best offensive line in football but it ended up being pretty damn good by the end of the year that's high praise to say that they're going to go leapfrog over last year's group one other quick note on the offensive line before we move on uh it sounds like Wanye morris got involved with the first team both sides Mm -hmm. left and right giving some breathers to both of those tackles you'll love to see that very fascinating to see his development. That's one of the guys I was most excited, you know, to kind of get eyes on at some point here. And obviously, I think he kind of had a little bit of a slow start, but kind of speeding back up and and all that. It, it's really exciting to see him getting some of those involved. You know, involved. People were really worried, like the first day when he was with the third team. I was like, well, he's he's getting a he's behind the eight ball because he didn't start with everybody in camp. He was missing a little bit of time early on. Of course, like that's just. That's how the Chiefs have done historically. So, like, I I wasn't too beat up about a rookie who didn't start practices immediately with the rest of his team being on the third team at the tackle spot. I think that will continue to ramp up. They know what they have in Wanya Morris. It's the identical measurables to Jawan Taylor. <laughs> I don't think that's a coincidence. I don't know. I think they like they like a certain type of guy over there. And uh, yeah, I'm just I'm excited to see what Wanya is going to do uh, here the rest of the year, Maddie. We, uh, we've had some news since we've all last been on. Nazi Johnson, a guy that's been playing a lot of cornerback snaps, goes out, tears his ACL on Saturday. It, you know, he was getting a lot of love, uh, getting some opportunities with the first team. First off, it's just a bummer to see him, uh, you know, to see him have his, his season end so quickly. But yeah, we just talked about him last week and him pushing into the first team to get some reps right before the pads come on and just kind of where that was leaving him moving forward. And even Greg and I kind of ended talking about how we thought he probably has a better slot corner profile than some other guys that were getting second team reps in that regard. It's like everything seemed to be trending up and then you've had nothing but praise from Dave Tobe for him going forward on special teams and then he comes out and Saturday practice, he tears his ACL. You never want to see that for any player, but especially a second-year guy, a young guy that was seeming to really find his footing and really be on the rise. I mean, that that stinks for him. Thankfully for the Chiefs, 
the quarterback room oddly is an area where they, I guess, can handle an injury now. Like as weird as that says, you never want to have to test it, but it's one of the few positions where losing a player, especially a guy that was fighting to be more of a depth guy, probably isn't the biggest deal anymore as a defensive back pack spot for the Chiefs. So speedy recovery to him, I mean, unfortunate for him, but like for the Chiefs, they they have a lot of bodies back there that I think are probably ready to contribute if they have to. I thought it was really kind of cool of Steve Spagnuolo to go out of his way to just kind of shower praise on Nazay Johnson today. Like, uh, you know, come out and it's like, man, it really sucks to lose that guy. Like we love him. We love the way that he's grown into that role. You know, said he was taking rest of the first team because he'd earned it, you know, stuff like that, that are just positive things that you're going to see that you're going to have, you know, coming out of there. But yeah, it sucks. Um, You know, that was a guy that, you know, as much as anybody can be, was a potential tide turner on special teams, a, a guy that can really make some plays, pin the opposing offense back as a gunner, be able to do a little bit on, you know, various other special teams facets. Like the, he was a guy that Dave Tobe was super excited about. And the fact that the Chiefs were running, you know, running Naze Johnson with the ones on defense and Steve Spagnuolo had so many positive things this guy was probably never going to be a superstar as a corner in this league by any means, but was going to be a significant contributor for this special teams unit and mix in a little bit on defense here and there. It was going to be a guy that was going to be a very important part to this team. He's one of those glue guys. Like he's going to be like the 40 to 50 on the roster that is just so important and was going to play out his entire rookie deal here. So you know, best of luck to him. I hope the ACL injury, I hope that repair gets in there. They get it fixed up. Everything's good and he can rehab quickly. I am excited to see that talent back on the field. I feel bad for Nazi and obviously pushing two guys in, in Joshua Williams and Jalen Watson that had such big moments in the playoffs, you know, in that, you know, whole Super Bowl run thing that they did uh, earlier in 2023. Being able to push those guys and challenge those guys the way it seemed like he was and the way the coaching staff was kind of saying he was, man, that tells you something. Uh, and it's it's a bummer to see you know that in, end so quickly. You heard Steve Spagnuolo making comments about some of these, you know, one of the second year corners kind of getting into some of the old habits. You know, it was basically either Joshua Williams or Jalen Watson the way it got. You know, it was one of the two. Uh, I don't know. You might be able to deduce. Um, yeah, Craig's got it, but, yeah. um, <laughs> but you know, it, whether or not like, Nazi Johnson still, you know, he, he had some stiff competition. There's some really quality players there, obviously that are just going to have to ride to the occasion and break through that second year wall that some of these guys do hit special teams is where things could get really uh, dicey for this team. You heard Dave Tobe say that Nazi Johnson was the best gunner in football at the end of the year last year. Uh, yep. He was good. I watched, I, we talked about this, like we were watching, I, you know, just if I can't sleep some nights, I'll randomly just put a game on and we were, I was watching Nazi Johnson gunner reps and it was good. Uh, you degenerate. <laughs> you'll never guess how much cover to, uh, no. I no, I will guess. <laughs> I bet, yeah, Craig's got that one actually. You got that number. Um, but Maddie, you did want to talk a little bit about some ramifications of that and, and some of the special team stuffs, you know, pending that Nazi John after that Nazi Johnson news. So let's let's hear it. 
Yeah, the Chiefs are in a bit of an interesting spot, I guess, with special teams. Because Nazi Johnson was getting all this praise as being the team's top gunner. And like that that praise has been steady throughout the whole thing. But he still played on less than 100 special team snaps last year for the Chiefs. He wasn't doing it often. In fact, Chris Lamont was the guy who led the Chiefs in special teams reps. Well, guess who is not currently on the roster? That's Chris Lamont. The thought would be Nazi Johnson would step into that role, as he did down the stretch last year and was becoming a very good gunner. They lose him now. That's a lot of special teams reps. That's a lot of like guys they're relying on on special teams kind of off the roster. And you would assume guys like Brian Cook, who are going to be taking over a bigger role in defense, probably aren't going to play the vast majority of the spe- like all the special teams reps they possibly can anymore. So then it comes down is where is that being replaced? We've talked a lot this year about guys that might not make the 53. Deion Bush has been a popular name for all of us to leave off the 53-man roster. Guess who played the second most special teams ta- snaps yep. for the Chiefs last year? Deion Bush. So is this now, does he just get a free, not free slot, but does he now just get a slot based entirely around being able to eat up special teams reps from Nizzy Johnson going out from them, not having a Chris Lamont from them, not having a Marcus Kemp who can't, you know, they was elevated last year, but he played a lot of special teams reps the three weeks he was elevated or, or is this the window the chiefs needed to get seven wide receivers on the roster <laughs> And they use this seventh wide receiver as a special teams gunner only. Like, what do they do to fill this role? Did they just that? I mean, that's my thing. That's where my head immediately went was, is this a sneaky way for them to go ahead and get that extra wide receiver in there because they know what they need an extra special teams player now? Ooh, all right. So I actually this kind of stems from some thoughts that I had. And let me let's can we can we spell out the wide receiver room here real quick? We've got no, uh, it's we impossible. did two Thursdays ago, but you know, yeah. No, I'm just, it's, I mean, Kadarius <laughs> Tony's not, I'm, I'm assuming Kadarius Tony will not be an IR, a season ending IR. So you've got to carry him on sure? the initial 53. Initial 53. Yes, yes. Yes. Sky Moore, Rashi Rice, Marquez Valdez Scantling, Justin Watson, Richie James, Justin Ross. There's your seven. Okay. So the first five what? of those guys. Plus yeah. Justin Ross probably don't play that much special teams. By the way, exactly. Well, the- this, this is the question. This is the this is this. I don't know if this matters. I don't know if the, like this matters to that conversation. This is where it gets interesting. Interesting. So you maybe maybe it's uh, Kadarius Tony's carried on the initial fifty three goes to the IR. I believe he can come back after four weeks, right? So if he's not ready by week one, it's week you know whatever you could do that, and then that gives you a little bit of flexibility on the back end of that, but. I don't think that they're I mean they carry do they carry seven wide receivers on the initial 53 IR Kadarius and then bring somebody back into the mix. And this is like this is where I was having a conversation with somebody about Justin Ross. And I Justin like we can have a little Justin Ross conversation here in a minute if we really want to. Um he looks good. Let's say he's he's in the mix to make the 53 man roster. They have a plan for him offensively. He's still what wide receiver five at best and he doesn't have special teams value like i i don't know it it there there's some log jam and some numbers there to take into consideration as well let's talk a little bit more more about this some of the roster construction at the bottom after this break thanks for listening to kc sports network make sure you download our new app find it on the app store or google play just search kc sports network Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. We're talking a little roster construction and special teams after Nazi Johnson, a presumed special team stud and a special Money team stuff. stud in the back end of last year, goes down. Looking through some scenarios, you know, Maddie, you're talking about you know seven wide receivers. Maybe seven come on initially. They put you know Kadarius Tony on IR. Maybe they can sneak Deion Bush on the practice squad or through waivers initially. That's that's a, that's one that's one scenario I do want to throw at you. Maybe Deion Bush is a guy that they might be able to just you know, put on waivers, put through the process, and then they're going to be able to sneak him back after somebody goes on IR. Yeah, I, I think there's probably Dion Bush or Blake Bell would be mm. another good candidate for that. A guy that's going to be on the week one active roster, uh, you know, definitely. And a guy that they got pretty late in the process. Nobody was really clamoring for it sort of deal. Like I, I can definitely see that sort of thing happening with that individual as long as they're okay with it obviously trying to sneak that guy on there that makes the most sense to me but yeah i i think Dion bush almost becomes as close to a lock as you can get after the injury to nase johnson i mean yeah we talked about all those wide receivers we talked about all those guys Justin Ross is working out with the special teams units right now. Like he's they're they're, they're trying his paces. They're trying. <laughs> they're trying to find you know room for him there. He's but returning. He's returning. <laughs> yeah, I know. Which he did, I believe, in high school. Is that correct? Something like that. Anyway, he's done it before, but Probably. it's been so yeah. long since he has and injury history and all of that is what it is. So I, I know that they're trying to find ways to get him on the field on special teams and all of that. But yes, I think that the clear path here is if they are going to IR Kadarius Tony, keep one of these veterans that is going to be a special teams contributor, just cut them immediately turn around and pick that guy back up because nobody at this point is probably adding a Blake Bell or a Dion Bush to their active rosters on cut down day. So we're just over here sleeping on the next Marcus Kemp, but with returnability and Nico Romeo. He's waiting right there. He's lurking in the wings. He Large gunned a little bit. He gunned a little bit in college. He listen. You watch the videos. We not. We're not. I haven't been out of camp this year. Uh, actually, none of us have yet. Have we? Can't you? Oh, yeah. not, no. Okay. So we haven't been out of camp. But I'm watching the videos. He moves like an NFL player. Like I, I'm not saying he's good. I'm not saying anything. I just he moves like an NFL player, and it, it jumps off a little bit. I know he's a quality returner, or at least was in college. I do know he played some vice, some gunner stuff in college. Like that was part of his game. So I think if you want to make a path that this opens up an extra spot for a receiver of some kind, whether that is a you know brief stint if Tony is going to an IR situation once it, once he's on the initial fifty three, or whether it's just getting an extra body, just he's a guy to keep an eye on. I don't know what the Chiefs think of him as a gunner. I have no idea. Nobody has said a word about it. We just yeah. know. In the past, they have not been afraid to keep a wide receiver as one of their special team stars. If he proves out to be that guy, that matters. Because for as much as we talk about, like, is Richie, or maybe Richie James does it too. I don't mean to leave him out. Maybe Richie James decides, hey, yeah, I'm a veteran in the NFL now, but I'm willing to go be a gunner like I was early in my career. Or Justin Watson really Justin didn't, Watson. Do Chiefs. Yeah. didn't do it for the Chiefs at all last year, though. So he, he, might, had, he might need him a little bit more now. 
My, That's right, so, hard to do with the starting wide receiver. Mm-hmm. You bet. Well, okay. I mean, <laughs> I, well, I mean, here, seriously, I, like they need consistency out there, and especially week one, you're gonna rely on two you know, a rookie wide receiver and Sky Moore to come out there and do all of that, like solely based I, on the clips I've seen. Yes, I mean, I would love it. Don't get me wrong, <laughs> but like it, I can see Andy Reid's offense saying, "Hey." I want a guy that's going to be in all the right places and block really well and do all of that. And Justin Watson, Nico Remigio, uh, one of the things that I think is worth noting, 187 pounds, five, nine doesn't scream gunner. Doesn't scream Dave Tobe gunner. I'm trying to think of a gunner that small for, for Dave Tobe in recent memory. And like, that's where it, I don't yeah. know if that's necessarily in his wheelhouse. Um, I think Nico Remigio as a potential special teams value add guy in the return game or something like that might be just the perfect practice squad elevation early in the season until there's some attrition kind of move. Like that's the route I see. Like for, I think Nico Remigio is going to be at minimum and most likely a special teams player, but he's a special teams player that you're like, he might get the call up here. <laughs> he might be one of those activations. I see him like that's the kind of role I see for him. There's a name you guys haven't brought up yet as a beneficiary to all this. And a beneficiary is not a great word, but you get what I'm saying. The the opportunity there, it's Nick Jones. Nick Jones is another guy that Dave Tobe has touted as a, as a core special teams player potentially down the road. Uh, he's got ginormous hands, length. He's blocked kicks. He's been a core special in the past. So is Shamari Connor. I think those are two guys that can pick up the slack. Maybe not, not Shamari, not necessarily as a gunner. Nick Jones, maybe as a gunner though. Um, those two guys, I think can pick up the slack, the, the, the slack as special teams contributors in a big way. I think this is a great opportunity for Nick Jones to make this roster and be a special teams contributor, Maddie. I mean, it, it's possible. I, I'm not going to sit here and pretend to know who was impressing during gunning drills and the special teams meetings or anything like that. Like, I don't know. I'm just, I was putting out a name out there of another guy that I know has had played special teams in college and done so well. So that's why I put Romeo's name out there. It could be Nick Jones. It could be Connor. It's could, I don't think Dion Bush is going to be a gunner either. So like, while I agree with Craig that he said earlier that he's kind of a lock, they still do need guys to be there on the outside and you do need vices. And like, I, we don't know who those guys are going to be yet. I do also want to say, you know, yeah, you can dog on Remigio's size, but Nazee Johnson, 5'10", he's 199 pounds. but still only 5'10". It's 12 Jones, pounds more. Nick Jones, hundred or uh, six foot, but 189 pounds. That's a, that's a string bean right there. It's not yeah. like these guys are huge. It's not like yeah. these gunners are huge. You made it sound like he had like six foot five behemoths out there. Now, now hang on, hang on. Dentari Poe. Uh, oh <laughs> don't you dare now i have a new goal in life don't tell me with <laughs> a good time. We, i mean listen we I, saw tano we saw passing you out there on some kick we coverage did. we did and yeah, it was and it, glorious and natural <laughs> i mean that that being said like you've got a guy in Nase johnson that plays safety like not afraid to come up and hit not afraid to come up and tackle yeah. do all of that stuff nico Romillo wide receiver like I mean, Kemp. i'm just Mar marcus Kemp. marcus Kemp. marcus Kemp. listen he grew he was, into that he was an anomaly and yeah. real quick i want to add nazi johnson has some safety background at marshall craig's not saying he's a safety only because obviously he's been playing oh yeah yeah yeah. he was playing corner for he this had team. safety he had yes. he had some safety background when he's had some safety background as well sorry i was just clarifying for yeah no no no. i appreciate that please appreciate continue that. i i 
I think that the two spots that we can almost lock in at this point are the returners, barring an injury. Uh, basically, it's been Richie James at punt returner, like first go almost all the time. Yeah, sure, they're rotating other guys in and stuff like that, but it's always been Richie James. Dave Tobe talked about how excited he is for Richie James and punt return. And then it's been Eric Prince as a kick returner. So much so that Dave Tobe went out of his way to say, you guys remember when I had Niall Davis returning kicks and how awesome that was? That dude wears the same number and he reminds me of him a lot. So I think those two, the, the excitement level for Dave Tobe, I think those two are just absolute locks for those two returner spots at this point. Guys, I uh, I I think that Daenerys Prince guy is pretty good. I don't know about you. I don't know if you've talked about that at all whatsoever. No, not at all. Hey, I, let's let's go off on a Daenerys Prince tangent, Kent. How about you lead and then ask us our opinion? Hey, sure, Kent. I'm who who would you compare him to as a player? Like who would you who would you Ooh, compare him to as like a player it. in the NFL? You got you've seen my have you seen my tweet? No. <laughs> okay. So, so, we both we both put out our I mean like I've had the same comp for a long time but like I, we've all kind of put out we both talked about our general comps on how we might see him used. And so I was just so, curious what yours was. I okay, it's not like a complete player for player like comp but like come on coward. I've seen like I've seen Damien like Damien Williams and and Daenerys Prince like I feel like we've seen the Chiefs use a big powerful fast soft-handed running back in the past that maybe doesn't have elite vision but can hit some home runs and hit some big plays there's some stuff that reminds me of damian williams and like you're looking at the traits that the chiefs have had success with with these running backs it, it, oh undrafted to damian and, and generic but uh obviously damian was way undrafted and wait you know it was years before he was a chief but like I don't know, you, you, I think there's a there's an archetype that she's been able to find success with. It's big, dense, fast, capable of catching the ball, good on the edge type runners. I mean, that's what we've seen a lot of lately. And so I kind of it, it, there's a little there's a there's a little bit of of Damian Williams to me with the Eric Prince. Was that where you guys went? That's, that's where Maddie went. That's yeah. where I went. Yeah. I mean, that's okay. Where, that's where I've been with him now. My and well, I gotta delete I, my tweet now. <laughs> yeah you do um craig did you, know went, I did you know i tweeted that no no <laughs> craig was... went with with daryl williams um hmm. the usage yeah the usage right <laughs> and so like... there i no no, no and the usage and there i got to it because i i thought about it with damian williams and the chiefs yes i agree with the athleticism the type of player he is but damian williams and the chiefs was wasn't overly utilized as more of like a vertical vertical receiver as a running back they tried a couple times. It just it never seemed like a big part of their game. Whereas with Daryl Williams, they very much did try to push him downfield. And by good from what we've seen from training camp, they are they are testing Daenerys Prince vertically as a receiver, and he is passing all of the tests, it seems like. So it's just yeah, yeah I, I'm with you on the player comp, but I liked Craig's idea of the usage specifically for me, at least in the receiving game of so, Daryl Williams, because they oddly pushed him vertical a lot. Or like even thinking back to Kareem Hunt where they pushed him vertically yeah. up the seams yeah. and stuff. Like, I think they might try to do that with Prince a little bit more than they did with Damian Williams back in the day or than they've done with some other running backs that they've had recently. So Damian Williams, and one of the things actually, I think I think Daenerys Prince's body control to pair with the soft hands reminds me of, of Damian Williams a little bit more. Daryl, like he does the high point stuff, but... Like I remember, there's the shoot route that that Damian Williams ran in the Super Bowl, or not in the Super Bowl, in the playoffs against the Houston Texans in the comeback mm -hmm. blowout. 
mm-hmm. where yeah. it was behind him and he had to yeah. kind of catch oh, yeah, it on yeah, his yeah. hip. No, they. And it, and it's like yeah. Daenerys kind of has Daenerys kind of has some. Maybe of that it's body a great receipt. Yeah, yeah. They always was. They just never used them as anything. Like they a, mostly used him as a checkdown or as a quick yeah. into swing the route, player out to the flat, hit that, right. hit that late as a checkdown. Yeah. And see, I think I still feel like I'm more. I believe it when I see it with some more of the route stuff. Like I still feel like a lot of the 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 stuff with Daenerys been based stuff out of the backfield. So it's a lot of the swing routes, but he's just looking really comfortable and confident. I don't know. I've seen a couple clips of him uh, going up on some DBs and making some diving catches downfield. Too small, too small, anyone? Kent's not going to believe it until Daenerys Prince mosses Jonathan Abram. That's what it's going to (laughs) take. For well, him to here's get on the board problem, Craig. Jonathan Abram has to be in the league for him to oh, do that. Oh, well, that's unfortunate. I guess you got to find the new target. Uh, fun fact: I do want to. I'm backpedaling here a little bit. Richie James punt return average la- <laughs> over his career less than what Justin Watson's was last year for the Chiefs. He's yeah. been a very good punt returner in the NFL, by the way. I just want to lob that out there. Richie James I mean, also the the yards after catch was below league average, like yeah, well below league average like too. He's so not a great like ball carrier. Yeah, he's not good at like it does. Like it kind of t- it kind of makes sense if you think about it. Like some guys can get nowhere fast, but and that might be the case. I'm not. This is me not dunking on Richie James. It's just like that might just be you know he has some elusiveness and there's some flexibility how he runs routes, but it may he's not always translate to being able to run after the catch. He's That's an enigma because his kick return stats are good, but he's mm-hmm. not like usually good kick returners are just one cut and go a little bit bigger, just straight blazers. So and his kick return stats are yeah. actually pretty good. His punt return stats are pretty bad. And that's usually where smaller, quicker guys excel. So it's just, it's funny looking at him that way, but that was just to the point earlier when we said like Richie James is locked into the punt returner. Maybe he is, but through four years in the NFL, he's not been that good at it. So like, I hope it's not locked in. Because that seems to be like a little bit of an area that they could maybe be leaving a little bit of meat on the bone if we're not going to even let it be a competition. I don't know. We <laughs> here's the thing for me. It's like just catch the ball and let Patrick and Justin Watson can do that. Yeah, yeah. Justin I mean, Watson did do that. Why are we right. acting like he didn't mostly right. just fair? And, he did, and his, returns <laughs> his returns were better. And his returns were better. I don't know. It's because Justin Watson's still on the field as a vice. That's why. <laughs> I believe I believe in Dave Tobe. Those short shorts are coming out any day now. God, they need to. But the special teams is in shambles right now because he's got them lengthy guys going. <laughs> hey, uh, before we get out of here, is there anything you guys want to touch on that you've seen, heard, or anything of training camp before uh, before we dip? Yeah, I I thought it was very Uh-oh. good that the Chiefs put Steve Spagnuolo and uh, Felix Anaduke Ozama on the podium the same day and had a lot of conversations about him getting up to speed and all of that sort of stuff. First of all, talking about Felix and all of that, he he admitted, it's like, I'm behind the ball. I'm playing catch up right now. I'm just trying to learn, just trying to absorb everything possible. You know, and Steve Spagnuolo even said, you know, we're not putting any expectations on this guy. And I don't want anybody to put any expectations on this guy. This is, it's very clearly, it's like, hey, this is, this is our long-term move. And we're more than willing to take as much time as we need to get this guy up to speed. So I know a lot of people have been kind of, where is he? Why is he not making more noise? The pads came on. This is when he's supposed to start making moves and stuff like that. It just takes time. That's I'm glad that they put him out there. And then I'm also glad that Steve Spagnuolo, when he was asked about his DBs and covering this wide receiver group and all that, 
his first thing out of his mouth was, man, boy, that guy more pops, doesn't he? Like the, when your defensive coordinator is just like, yeah, this guy's a handful for us this season, whereas he wasn't last season, that's a very positive thing. So really liked everything basically out of Steve Spagnuolo this week, but I like that he level set Felix and that he took note of Sky Moore today. Maddie, anything? Uh, I like that the Chiefs defensive backs uh, and the defense as a whole apparently seem to be getting under the Chiefs offensive skin quite a bit. Yeah. I mean, I want my defenders to do that. Um, it, it's maybe not always best when it's like the third string defensive backs, you know, maybe you want some of the starters also to be in on the drawing, but you know, it is, I, I like that as a concept. I think that's a good, that's a good thing to, uh, to carry like going forward. I really like seeing Jalen Watson come away at the pick and then hold the ball and use his other hand to be in the middle of like the pushing match, like only one handed, like that just shows you like, you're like, you know, trying to tell them that you're better than them. That, that's equivalent of two smalling somebody pushing them with one hand while holding the ball you intercepted. Like that's good enough. Uh, I mean, that's really about it. I, I'm assuming Craig and I are going to talk more about camp on Thursday. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, kid, do, do you have takes, buddy? Do, what, what are your camp takes? What are your takes on Travis Kelsey fighting everybody who comes within his field of vision? Let me unload the clip. Let me unload the clip because I won't be back until Monday. And I will be back Monday. I changed my flights, guys. Just <laughs> Kit was Kit was pacing not to be back until after the first preseason there game was like, a couple days ago. I was taking 2023 off. Uh, <laughs> I just in September. Man, I tell you what, it's just been it's been a weird summer. Let's just say that. Um, the what the other the only note that I thought was kind of interesting sounded like uh, BJ Thompson was doing some good things up the arc, which was kind of cool to see, giving some fits. That's always that's always fun. I'm excited to see him in a more game setting. Because, you know, we saw him at the Shrine Bowl. He's playing a little bit heavier than he played at Stephen F. Well, a lot heavier. If you watch Stephen F. Austin versus like where he was at the Shrine Bowl, there's some noticeable density. And, you know, he looked, he still looked the part athletically. I'm really excited to kind of get eyes on him, you know, kind of as the process goes on and in some live settings, how he plays the run, if he's able to play the run, those kind of things. So, real quick before we get out of here, has your confidence level in a Chris Jones extension? heightened or lowered since the last time we talked about it maddie higher or lower uh an extension yes. I, lower an extension lower it is lower now than it was the last time we talked about chris jones being extended by the kansas city chiefs how much lower uh i'm coming up to the point to where i'm curious if he will be on the chiefs team into the for the 2024 season I think it is now to the point where you can realistically have that conversation and nobody should bat an eye if you were wanting to have the conversation if he will be on the team next year. Craig. That should be, just will be. Chris Jones is going to play all of 2023. That's not what I asked. Nope, but that's the take that I have. Chris Jones is going to play in 2023. <laughs> Absolutely going to play. And we'll, we'll see. If he makes it through 2023 without a contract... I have serious doubts that he's going to sign one long-term. It's just another year. All of a sudden, it's another year, and they don't really save much against the cap by doing it. Ooh, if you, question if for you, Kent. Question uh, sorry. for you, Kent. Yeah. At what point during the regular season do the Chiefs just be like, – when's the latest the Chiefs would extend Chris Jones, do you think? Like, at what mm. point are they going to say, we're not doing this at this point in time anymore. Let's, re let's get back to this next offseason. Week or two. I mean, we're not – they're not doing this in the season. I don't think it's happening in season. I think you've got another week or two to get a deal done and that's it. And 
I think it's closer to like it feels like another week. If I think you know a week from now, ten days from now, I think it's Chris Jones is coming in. No deal has been reached. They're not going to. He's going to play this year out, and then they'll go from there. And what they'll go from there means is he's somewhere else next year. The Chiefs are tagging and trading him. He's getting Buku bucks somewhere. The Chiefs are getting some draft capital back for him, and the Chiefs are doing what they did with the Tyree Kill situation and trying to retool a situation on this team. So that's what I think. I think you, I we're close guys. (laughs) We're real close. I think, I don't think I don't, I see, I I don't think there's a chance that a deal is getting done in season. I don't know about you guys. I think there's an opportunity. I think that there is a chance that it can happen. If Chris shows up, continues to play at the level that he was last year and shows that he can. Yeah. Yeah, because it's going to be funny money for the next or for the last couple of years of the deal anyway. So I can see them just being like, listen, this dude's just bought in. Like, we got to take care of him. So okay, so what do you think? What tips that scale then, right? Like, if you think it might be done in the end season, what tips the scale? Is he playing so good that the Chiefs just have to pay him? And then therefore, they're just going to come up to what his demands are? We think the Chiefs I mean- are going to budge in season on that or is it that he's not playing quite as well as maybe he would be hoping for mm. then he's going to come down to what the chiefs are offering and at that point are the chiefs still offering it if he's you know showing signs of and it's just like what's what changes in season that would make one of the two sides budge i mean i think right now there's very hard lines in the sands for both sides that have been drawn and i think if we get in season and he's playing that level the chiefs don't have to come up all the way to his line like mm-hmm. I, I can see them saying, okay, we're coming up a little bit. Here's our compromise point. And, you know, Chris Jones is, you know, people coming down just a little bit to kind of fill that gap. You know, I, we don't know how big the gap is. We just really don't know how That's... big the gap is right now. If the Chiefs are offering 22 and Chris Jones wants 30, guess what? It ain't happening. But, you know, we, we just don't know yeah. yet. Man. Yeah, it's – we're getting close, guys. I genuinely – like I think we're – a week or week and a half. I think any of the in-season scenarios, the good, the reason, I think the reason this is taking so long is there's really good. I I said this the other day on X, whatever X. No, I don't like it on Twitter. I tweeted this out. Um, I think there's good arguments to made for both sides. I think there are, the reason this is taking so long is there are reasonable, reasonable sides to take on both sides of this. Maddie talked about some of the downsides where, Hey, look, you know, D tackles after 30, not a strong track record. Well, the majority of this next deal is going to be played after 30. Well, Chris Jones was the best defensive tackle in football last year. Absolutely. Right. Probably should be played paid as the second, you know, best defensive tackle uh, in NFL history. I, I understand all that. So uh, there's fair arguments to me about on both sides. Where we've seen these deals go with the Chiefs, though, in recent memory, is the Chiefs want you to give a little bit. Don't know, don't know if Chris Jones is giving a little bit, and if he does, he'll be signed to an extension soon, and if not, he'll be signed to a to a number he wants in 2024, and the Chiefs will be drafting earlier in the draft, maybe or something along those lines. It's gonna be interesting. I just, yeah, I'm. We're. It, I think we're getting real close. Last day, we're. we're a few hours from July from July being over when this release is on on the pod pod channel, it'll be August. So uh 
we're running out of time, I think, for a Chris Jones extension to be done. That is going to do it for this episode of the Casey Laboratory. Thank you all so much for listening. Thank you to Craig Stout and Maddie Lane for holding down every Thursday all season uh, where I will be finding some random vacation to take. We love y'all. We'll catch you later. Thank you for listening to KC Sports Network. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard. You can find all six of our channels covering the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.